Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Abby Threet, who's a third-year resident at the University of South Florida in Tampa, Florida. Abby is originally from Florence, Alabama. She completed college at Auburn University and medical school at the University of Alabama. She's interested in cutaneous oncology, aesthetic surgery, and breast reconstruction. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I'd love to get started by hearing a kind of a broad overview about your program at USF. Our program is a six-year integrated program. It's been around for a little while now. We have about four residents per year. That's kind of a new addition. My year was the first year that we went from three to four residents per year. So we've got four per year and we rotate at multiple different clinical sites, such as Tampa General Hospital, Moffitt Cancer Center. We have two VAs that we work at. We rotate at a children's hospital in St. Petersburg. And then we get to do some private practice stuff around Tampa, St. Pete area, and in Orlando as well. Can you kind of go through the plastics experience that you have over the first three years? I am a PGY3, so I can speak to this from my personal experience. Our first year we did, it's kind of a combined year. We do general surgery. We do vascular surgery, ENT, as well as plastic surgery. I believe I did four months of plastic surgery my PGY1 year. Our second year, we do majority plastics. We do an ICU rotation, and we're doing a dermatology rotation now. That's one month as well. So uh, three months of the year is, is not plastics when you're a two. When you're a three, you're doing all plastic surgery, including a three-month hand rotation. And what's the experience like when you're on some of those non-plastics rotations? The non-plastics rotations that we do are at Tampa General Hospital, which is a level one trauma center. We'll do a trauma rotation and then a night's rotation where you're kind of covering all the general surgery services. And those are really great. We have a, a great general surgery program here, and I love our general surgery colleagues. They're really fun to work with. They love to teach us, and we love to teach them as well. Really good camaraderie between the two. And then we do a significant off-service portion at the VA in St. Petersburg. We do a lot of general surgery there, vascular surgery, and ENT. And those are really good experiences because those aren't saturated with other residents being at the VA. We actually do a lot of operating as an intern on those rotations. The one that really comes to mind is our vascular surgery rotation. We do a lot of cool surgeries as an intern that I feel like most programs maybe don't have the same experience with. And are there any independent residents or fellows at any of the sites? We do not have any fellows within the Department of Plastic Surgery, which I think is a benefit. It means that as a resident, you're getting to operate more. But with the hand surgery service that we, we do, that's kind of with our orthopedic department, and they have hand fellows. Those hand fellows are awesome because they are so willing to teach and really help you learn hand, which in my opinion is a, is a more complex aspect of plastic surgery. And what are the research opportunities like? Research really is what you make of it here. There is not a formal research rotation that we do, but if you are interested in research, our program certainly encourages you to participate in that, and it's easy to find a mentor that will help you with your projects. 
Dr. Denise Dejalou is one of our faculty members that kind of oversees the research that the residents are doing. She touches base with us on a regular basis to see, you know, what we need, how we're doing, and where projects are going. She does a really nice job with that. What kind of support is available for research within the department? We do have statisticians through USF that are willing to help us. They're super, super helpful. They're always willing to be a part of your project and help you out and things that you may not be capable of doing independently. They've been really hands-on, especially with our burn research. And they're always encouraging us to get involved and do more projects with them. So really good support here. And then how about once you're ready to present your research, what kind of support is available? So our faculty and our program will fund us if we need to um, submit something to a journal. If you submit something to a conference and get accepted, our program is willing to, you know, pay for you to go out to that conference and present that, which I think is really, really nice. Is there any limit on the support you can get for your research? No, there's no limit. If you want to submit as much as you can, go for it, unless we run out of funding, of course. But there's really no, no one's going to stop you from wanting to submit things and, and go for it. And what is call like? Call is, you know, very different depending on what rotation you're on. Tampa General is probably, you know, the most involved call that we take. We're always on burn call because it's a, it's a burn center and, and we do stay very busy with that. And then we alternate max face trauma call with our ENT colleagues. So they take a week and then we take a week and then they take a week. So that's kind of, I feel like a good balance for that. When you're on the hand surgery service, you're taking hand call with the orthopedic residents as well. So you're typically on call about one night per week and then one to two weekends per month when you're on hand, which really isn't terrible. And then when you're on other rotations like your your Moffitt Cancer Center or your VA rotations, call is divided between the residents. We take calls starting as an intern and continue that through our chief year. Our chiefs do take backup call as well. So it's part of residency. It comes with the gig. But I would say overall, it's because we have so many residents, there's a lot of cross-covering going on, and it, it is not exhaustive here. It's, it's very manageable, and it's honestly fun. You learn a lot. And what's the mid-level support like? So we do have mid-level providers at all of our clinical sites, and they have been so helpful and so wonderful. They help us balance our workload because we do stay busy as residents, and they're really great for taking care of things that allow us to spend more time in the operating room. It lightens our our clinical burden, if you will, so that way we can spend more time focusing on our surgeries and being in the operating room and getting that practice. Are there opportunities for elective rotations? As far as I know, we do not have that in our curriculum, but we do have outreach opportunities. We have a global opportunity, if you will, where we go to Panama and work with Operation Smile. And we started doing that a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, the pandemic has put a little bit of a restriction on that, but we're looking forward to getting back to it whenever we can travel safely. When are you able to go on that trip? Historically, we've done about two residents will go on the trip, and the trip is supposed to happen twice a year. The way that they've done it in the past is if you've completed your craniofacial rotation and had some experience with that, and you are interested in going abroad and doing this, then you can show interest and Dr. Harrington typically decides who's going to go based off of, you know, scheduling and what makes the most sense, if you will. 
What's the cosmetic experience like? We have a great cosmetic experience here. I think that's something that really sets our program apart. So we have different providers here in Tampa that we work with, and we get to go, basically when you're on your cosmetic experience, you get to choose what your schedule is based off of who's operating what days and what cases are going on. So we have different providers, like I said, throughout Tampa and the St. Petersburg area. And then we go to see Dr. Clifford Clark in Orlando. One of our recent graduates, Ellen Robertson, actually just joined his practice as well. So it's kind of fun having a USF alumnus over there. And we get to go work with them. It's a really good experience. We see a lot of breast, body, faces. And we actually get to do some of it as well here at USF with our attendings. We have a resident cosmetic clinic that we are allowed to bring in patients and, and offer them surgery with an attending, you know, supervising us. It's a really great experience. Are those dedicated cosmetic months during like years four, five, and six? And how many months total are there? Typically, all of our rotations, except for intern year, are about three months long. We do a three-month rotation as a fifth year and a three-month rotation as a sixth year. So six months total of cosmetic. But then sometimes when you're on Moffitt, you'll get pulled to do a cosmetic case at our outpatient surgery center, which is next door called Morsani. So it's kind of scattered throughout different rotations as well. And then is the senior chief clinic just during those three-month blocks, or is it kind of throughout the senior years? It's throughout the senior years. You know, if you bring in a patient when you're on a VA rotation, it doesn't mean that you won't get to do the case. If you, you know, can bring in that patient to sign up for surgery and they you find an attending that's going to do it with you, then you can do that. And is there experience with gender affirmation surgery? We do have experience with gender affirmation surgery. We do mostly top surgeries. We are working on getting a program so that we can start offering bottom surgeries for patients. It's been a really good experience, and I look forward to us getting more opportunities to do this when we get this program going. And is moonlighting possible? We do not do any moonlighting. Um, I don't know what the exact policy is, but I know that no one in our program participates in moonlighting traditionally. Are there any other perks about your program you'd like to share? We have our, you know, our cool USF plastic surgery jackets that we get. When I came in and they gave us the Grab and Smith textbook, I know one year, I think the year before us, they got iPads from GME. We do get food stipends at, at the hospitals. I know a lot of programs, when I was interviewing, they would have to pay for parking. I have not had to pay for a parking pass at my rotations thus far. Those are just little things that, you know, you don't think about when you're interviewing until you hear about it. USF's been really great. And how about for your loops? We had to buy our own loops, unfortunately. We've been trying to get them covered by money from somewhere, but still working on that one. Do you have any experience with flap courses or anatomy labs? How often do you have those kind of experiences? Every year you get to participate in some sort of course or special training, if you will. So our intern year, we did the intern boot camp that we actually hosted at our site, which I thought was amazing, especially because when I was a second year, I kind of got to relive the experience as a resident and got to help with a little bit of teaching and assisting during the intern boot camp. Unfortunately, this year, I think it was 
canceled due to the pandemic, but hopefully we'll get it going again. And us residents love participating in that. It's a really great experience. And then second year, we went to Philadelphia for the Max Face course. And that was really, really good. It was a lot of facial trauma, you know, worked on plating fractures and even did some stuff regarding craniofacial in the pediatric population. Really great course. And then this year, we got to do a micro course here in Tampa with live rat models. And it was very intimate. It was five residents and we all had a rat and got to do anastomoses on live rats, which I just thought was really crazy, but really fun. It was awesome practice when that was a week-long course dedicated to just that. We weren't distracted by our clinical duties. We had attendings and residents coming and teaching us every day. It was awesome. And then as four, fives, and sixes, you get to go to other courses, such as like the dupe flop course. And then I know when you're a chief, we send our chiefs to the big ASPS meeting every year. So every year you get something fun to look forward to sponsored by our program. And what area of plastic surgery would you say residents come out with the strongest experience in? Really hard to answer that one because I feel like we get such a very well-rounded experience. The thing that I feel like I've had the most experience with at this point is oncologic reconstruction. And maybe that's just because I enjoy it so much that I think I've had the most experience with that. But a lot of cutaneous oncology So, you know, resecting skin cancers and doing reconstructions on the face, neck, and body as well. Those are, you know, everywhere in our practice. I don't know if it's because we're in Florida and everyone down here has skin cancer. We get a lot of that. And then, like I said, you know, we, we are a burn center. So we do a lot of not only burn management, you know, acutely, but uh, long-term reconstruction for our burn patients. So there's a lot of really, really cool surgeries that we've done and, and that I've seen that were really fantastic, just cool flaps that we do to reconstruct these burn victims. It's it's awesome experience. And how would you improve your program? Kind of going back to what we mentioned earlier about the gender affirmation surgery, I feel like that's a program that I'm really excited about us putting together and, and making that happen. But as you and the other listeners are, I'm sure, very aware, it's a big deal to get a proper program for these patients because it takes a lot of interdisciplinary action. So I think that that's somewhere that our program has room to grow and and is growing. I'm just getting anxious and wanting it to happen sooner rather than later. So now I'd love to transition a bit to hear more about your department leadership. So your chair, chief, and your PD. So USF is unique because we are not a division within the Department of Surgery. We are actually our own department of plastic surgery. Our chair and head of our department is Dr. David Smith. He's been with us, I believe, since 2004. He was at Michigan prior to that. And then our program director is Dr. Michael Harrington. He actually trained here at USF. So I believe he took over as program director in 2012. And then we have an associate program director, Dr. Wyatt Payne, who is the chief of plastic surgery at the Bay Pines VA. And can you tell me a little bit about what each of them are like to work with? Dr. Smith is, he's the boss's boss. So he kind of runs the ship at Tampa General and does a lot of, you know, coordinating of 
who goes where and what surgeries are happening. He runs a very busy practice. He kind of oversees all of our burns. So we have our dedicated burn OR at Tampa General Hospital. And he typically oversees that portion of our burn practice. He also does a lot of general plastics. We do a lot of breast reductions with him. But he is kind of, like I said, he runs the ship at Tampa General. Dr. Harrington works at both Tampa General and Moffitt. So he kind of splits his time half and half between the two. And with him, we do a lot of cutaneous oncology, that kind of reconstruction. He will, however, you know, do the occasional lower extremity flap or the occasional max face trauma case. And those are really fun to do with him. And then Dr. Payne is over again at the VA in St. Petersburg. The VA plastics is a lot of cutaneous oncology as well as general plastic surgery. We do a lot of hand surgery over there as well. Dr. Payne is over at Bay Pines VA and he does a lot of general plastics as well as cutaneous oncology. We do a lot of hand over there. They're all great to work with. And can you tell me about a time when you or another resident brought up an issue to the program leadership and how they responded? I can't think of a specific issue that was brought up. However, periodically things do come up and we do have formal meetings with our program director, Dr. Harrington, and we also meet with Dr. Payne as well every six months. So it's a formal sit down, kind of an evaluation of how you're doing and what issues you may have with, you know, your training or the program, et cetera. It's a great, you know, open forum, open discussion. And that happens, like I said, every six months. But that said, our attendings are so approachable that if there ever is an issue, they're just a phone call away and they'll tell you that. They'll say, you know, don't ever hesitate to tell me if something's wrong. They want to be there for you. They want to help you. They want to support you. So there's really been no issues that I've ever had that I felt like was unresolved. I really haven't had any issues, but I know that the door is always open. So if I ever do have an issue, I feel very comfortable approaching them and letting them know. And I know that they will take care of it because that's just the kind of people they are. And as far as you know, do you foresee any upcoming changes in faculty in the next few years? I can't think of anything. We've hired some new faculty members within the last two years, both of which are alumni from our program. But as far as any major changes, there's nothing that I know of on the forecast. And what kind of roles do residents play in department decision making? So either in choosing new faculty or new residents or other changes? I don't know so much about choosing faculty. I'm sure that there is chief feedback when those events take place. However, I do have experience, you know, with choosing residents, and it really is a team decision. When we have our interviews, we all are encouraged to interact with the applicants, and we all do. We we spend the whole day together, typically, and, you know, we discuss how the day went, the vibe we got from everybody. This person had a really cool thing on their application, like they were a professional violinist, you know, we'll all sit around and be like, whoa, (laughs) how amazing. But, you know, we, we do put in feedback as far as, you know, who we think would be a good fit for our program. And our faculty members want to hear from us. They want to know our opinions. So it really does feel like a group decision rather than something that comes from just the higher ups. 
And how would you describe the relationships or the culture amongst the residents? We have a really, really unique thing going on down here. Our residents get along so well. When I was a medical student, I remember them talking about the USF plastic surgery family when I went on my interview trail. And and it kind of stuck with me because I've heard other programs be like, oh, yeah, we're a family. But then you get to their interviews and they're like cold or just a little awkward. But down here, it really is a big family. Some of my best friends that I've made down here are in my program. And there are people that are, you know, older than me and they look out for me and they make me feel like I'm a little sister and they take care of me. And I feel like that was something that I was really looking for in a program, that family environment where I knew people would have my back and support me no matter what happened. And I saw that when I was a medical student. And that's what really attracted me to to this program. And now that I'm here in a minute, it's true. And you know, I feel the, that way about our interns and twos. I want to take care of them and I want to help them and, and teach them and make sure that they're okay all the time. I think that's really special about our program. And now I'd like to hear a little bit more about like the logistics of how residents live. So do most residents own or rent? Currently, I would say most rent, however, a significant amount own. I own, I bought a house when I moved here in a little neighborhood called Seminole Heights. It is kind of smack dab between two campuses, if you will. So about 10 to 15 minutes north of me is where Moffitt Cancer Center is, our VA is, and our Morsani Outpatient Surgery Center is. And then about 10, 15 minutes south of me is Tampa General in our clinic site. I bought a house because I wanted to own something. I knew I'd be here for six years, and it was affordable. It was doable with a resident salary. So that's what I decided on. However, some people want to live closer to downtown or really close to Tampa General, which is a really nice part of town. And those people tend to rent rather than buy. So it's really what you're looking for. So if you want to buy, it's definitely affordable. It's an option because Tampa is, in my opinion, since I'm from Alabama, it's a big city, but it's not as big as Chicago or New York or L.A., So the housing market is affordable here. Really just depends on your preference. You kind of explained like where you live in relation to the sites, but can you go into a little bit more how far residents have to commute or kind of where some of them live in relation to the sites? So I would say everybody lives within 30 minutes of the majority of the sites that we're at. The exception being the hospitals in St. Petersburg, so Bay Pines VA and our John Hopkins All Children's Hospital. If you live in Tampa, those are by default going to be 30 minutes away or more. I think it takes me like 38 minutes to get to the VA from my house, which isn't terrible, but that is probably kind of the thing that is not so fun is just driving. But no matter what program you're at, I think for plastic surgery, at least when I was on my interviews, seems like you're going to be driving quite a bit. And if you're not, then you're probably in a, you know, a big city where you're walking or taking a train or you're kind of stuck to one clinical site and not going out and getting that experience with different hospitals. Are you ever in a situation where you have to go to multiple sites in one day or within one rotation? Or generally, is it like for that rotation, you're just going to that one site? Typically, if you are 
let's say you're on call for the VA in St. Petersburg, you're not going to be on call there and somewhere in Tampa. You might be on call there and covering call at the Children's Hospital in St. Petersburg as well, but you're not going to be having to go back and forth between the two cities. During a typical day, no, you're not driving from one location to another unless you're choosing to. Like if you have an early day that finishes at, you know, the VA in Tampa and you want to go hop over to a free flap that's going on at Tampa General and you choose to drive over there, then you choose to do that. And that's something that our program is great for. What is the breakdown of residents in terms of people being single, married, having kids? Maybe a third or single, a third or dating, a third or married. We don't have currently, I'm trying to think of who all has kids. There's probably three or four residents with kids out of the 23 of us. I feel like every year somebody gets pregnant. We always joke about that in our program. Our program is predominantly female, which I think is amazing. You don't see that very often in the surgical world. That said, we love men too. We accept men, of course. I always joke and I say that we need more men in the program. It's a good mix. It's not like we're all married with kids and it's not like we're all a bunch of single people running around. So there's a good blend. Is it necessary to have a car? Yes, you got to have a car if you're going to live in Florida. How else will you get to the beach? Well, that's a good transition into the next question, which is, you know, what do you like about living in Tampa? So I am from Alabama. I'm from the South. So I'm kind of used to warmer weather. If you don't like warmer weather, Florida may not be for you. However, if you love it, it is warm. It is sunny. It's almost December, right? It's November. And it's, I think, 81 degrees right now. Sunny, beautiful. I love that. It encourages you to get outside and go explore because there's really a lot out here to do as far as you can go boating, you can go fishing, you can just spend the day at the beach, you can go set up hammocks somewhere. We do have the river here that kind of runs through Tampa, and there's a beautiful river walk that we have. I personally love to go rollerblading at the river walk, but people will bike it, run it, walk it. It's a very dog-friendly city, so if you have a dog, there are plenty of dog parks, dog bars. Everybody, it seems like, here has a dog including many of our residents. If you're into paddleboarding or wakeboarding, there's a lot of that out here. It's easy to, you know, rent one for the day if you're interested in that. Or if you have the means, you can buy a boat or join a boat club. Really a lot of fun things to do in Tampa. And then, like I said, it's not a massive city, but it is a bigger city. And so there's fun big city things to do, like museums. We have the Dali Museum over in St. Petersburg, which I actually haven't been to yet. I'm, I don't know why, but I still haven't been to it. But it's all based off of Salvador Dali, and they bring in other exhibits all the time. We have sports teams like the Stanley Cup winners, our uh, Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team. And then we have the Tampa Bay Rays, which made it to the World Series. Yes, that one. Thank you. <laughs> We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady now. So if you're a sports fan, this is a great city. And I just heard the other day that there will be an NBA team temporarily here in Tampa. Whoever Toronto's team is, I can't remember. They will be down here for a little while because I think the border is still shut off thanks to old coronavirus. Well, that's most of what I wanted to talk about today. 
Any final thoughts either about your program or about the process of choosing a residency? So for any of you that are listening to this and you are nervous about going through the application process and the interview process, just know that it's totally normal to be nervous. It's totally normal to be anxious, but you have to remind yourself to just take a deep breath and know that it's all going to work out. All you can do is work hard, show up, and show your love for plastic surgery every day, whether that's just reading or showing up in the operating room, reaching out to different programs, letting them know you're interested. Do what it takes, you know, to to show you're interested and everything will work out as it's supposed to. If anybody at all wants to reach out to me, available by email or Instagram, however you want to contact me, and I'll be glad to talk to you as well as other members of our program, including our program director, Dr. Harrington. Like I said, he's very approachable and would love to answer any questions that potential applicants may have. Well, thanks so much for speaking with me today, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.